Golden. I'm Gooch. You're Fendi. Jerry, man. Jerry. <laughs> All right. We have here. Who do we have here? Please introduce yourself. I'm Hannah. Really? <laughs> like Hannah Mon Montana? Or no, like, like Hannah, Hannah Banana. <laughs> like Hannah Alaska. Well, thank you for joining me, us, today. Thank uh, you. Can you introduce yourself besides your name? What do you do? <laughs> uh, my name is Hannah. I am, I'm a nurse in San Diego here, and I love it here. Yeah? Yeah. What path did you get on to become a nurse? Did you always know you wanted to be in the health industry, or is it something that just kind of happened for you? That's a question I get all the time, and I feel... Every time I answer it, I don't know if I've perfected my answer or, yeah. or not, but I feel like um, as I was growing up, like caring for people was always, I, I, it came naturally to me. Yeah. And um, and then as I started to go to school, um, like the science behind nursing, like, you know, the anatomy and physiology and biology, all of those classes just really just fired me up and so it was kind of a combination of both the the scientific like smarts side of it but right. also the nurturing caring um compassionate part of it that I really see. just seemed to make sense for me right right and one pattern i've noticed for at least a lot of people i've met in the past is um and this doesn't happen to everyone but usually when your mom's a nurse mm -hmm. the odds of the daughter growing up mm -hmm. and being mm -hmm. a nurse is usually higher. Was yeah. so? Was your mom a nurse? No, in okay. fact, um, my paternal grandmother was a nurse, but later on in her life, and I don't think I even knew that when I started going to school. So it was like, right, right. it wasn't like in the family, you know. I just, right, right, it, right. it just fit for me. Yeah. In fact, my parents, when I became a nurse, they were like, "I didn't, I didn't envision you becoming a nurse." Really? <laughs> no, they, they said. said <laughs> it was like, I don't know how to take that. Yeah. But they said, uh, they were like, "I thought you would be on stage or something." Like, right, right. On Broadway, and. I mean, I still sing, yeah. but <laughs> it's, it's a little bit different. But it was, but now I remember my mom said, she's like, I didn't, I didn't think you'd be a nurse, but now I would love to have, like, you would be Aww. my choice to be yeah. my nurse. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, okay. I that's think cool. That's good. And I, I know earlier we were talking about, like, uh, genetic modification and the scientists in China that uh, genetically modified uh, babies yes. to be immune to HIV, mm -hmm. right? What What are your thoughts? I know you were reading that article. What are, What are your thoughts on that exactly? And what are your thoughts in general about the idea of genetic modification? In, like just in the in, in, the, in general in, the in humans industry. in humans yeah in humans. Um. But you so can that article. Okay. Oh, continue. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. So that article. It's interesting because I feel like I can see both sides of the disagreement um, about the controversy about it. The scientist, like, he's a scientist. He's not a infertility doctor. He's not, right, like, he's just a scientist. He's doing scientific experiments. Right. And so to me, it seemed like, yeah. I mean, if that's what you're, if that's what you're trying to do, then, right, right, right. then the experiment to do it, like, I don't know what the background of, like, had he done it on other subjects, had he done it on animals before he did it on humans, right? Like, because that's kind of where I think a lot of the, 
the reaction came from is that it's like, oh, all of a sudden he's like working on humans. Right. <laughs> and that's that just gets a little sensitive. Right. So I don't know what his like leading up to point was, but like to me, it's like he's he's doing his job. He's being a scientist. Right. The thing that I think a lot of the the flack that he got for it was about like doing it in secret. And that I can understand with because if you're not honest about what you're doing, then like honesty is like up, you know, right, right, up right. top, tippy top of my, you know, of my value list. And so if you're being false about what you're actually doing, then yeah, I got a problem with that. Right. Especially, especially when it comes to dealing with human lives. You know, if you're doing something and you <laughs> say you're not going to do that of and then you course, do that, like of that's, course, of course. that's one thing if you're dealing with, you know, a, a Petri dish, but right. if you're dealing with somebody's life, like that's a big deal. Yeah. I'm kind of curious on society's perception of genetic modification. I still remember during the Bush administration when stem cell research mm-hmm. became a thing, there was so much flack. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? A little time? bit, yeah. Yeah, there was so much flack about yeah. stem cell research and how it's not ethical, blah, blah, blah. And of course, now it's fine, but um, with genetic modification, uh, and with that story coming out, mm-hmm. kind of got me thinking, is it because we live in a more progressive world where we just know that things like this are going to happen? Is that why it wasn't really re- newsworthy? Or is it because we're just so distracted by, you know, um, information overload? There's mm. so much mm-hmm. always going on. Like, no mm-hmm. matter what happens, mm-hmm. you know, it's like within two days, it's like, okay, ne- on to the news. next thing. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm, re- I'm really curious why it wasn't a thing because, I mean, that's, to me, that's groundbreaking in the medical <laughs> Kind industry. of a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Both for, like, for those people with HIV or, like... Or, or even just like in the scientific field in general. Yeah, yeah, especially yeah. I mean, for I mean, now you can that mean if you can do that, that means now you can genetically modify people not to have cancer, for right. example. Right. Right. You know, so it opens the door to so many other things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. I, I think it's probably a combination of both. I think, you know, the more progressive we get with our technology and Mm. our you know experimentation and um scientific advancement i think the more we're like oh huh, that's cool you know and we're not phased by it whereas like 10 years ago would have been like wait what and and so 10 20 years ago and um but at the same time i think it's also like there's so much there's so much happening and there's so much information coming at people like half of the people probably didn't even hear about that like of course. And and so, you know, yeah, I think it's and, probably a combination of both. No, that makes sense, yeah. Uh, being in the medical industry, what are your thoughts on dieting, for example? Dieting? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Do you feel like you see a lot of uh, patients that um, are in there as a result of or partially in there as a result of that diet? Um, but I'll let you speak on that. I think, I mean... I've only nursed in America, and I think that is a huge, like, Americans' diet is out of control in a lot of ways. Um, And so I I can't speak to other other cultures, but um, diet in itself is hard to say. I feel like more often it's like a a combo package of just poor lifestyle, Mm. like... 
diet is a huge contributor for sure, but it's also like, you know, keep keeping up at the gym or, you know, other like smoking and other right. like health habits that people just choose to engage in that are, you know, it's, it's often in combination. Right, right. I mean, even for myself, I know like I work out all the time and yet I still have like fitness goals of course. and a lot of them are due to my diet my my lack of discipline in my diet right right and so like it's a it makes such a huge difference and so when i mean i see patients all the time who are supposed to adhere to a certain diet and depending on their acuity like they could it it can be a life or death situation mm. if they don't follow their diet. I'm right. not talking like an allergy life or death, you know, of I course, eat this and I'm going to die. Like no, you eat you follow this pattern of eating and you will be slowly killing yourself. Right, right. And so I think the I think people don't understand the impact that of diet course. takes. It's I like what you just said about um how for a lot of people or patients it's it's they know it's a life or death situation, and I'm sure for a lot of them, they still do the opposite mm-hmm. of what they should be doing. Mm-hmm. And that kind of speaks to us as human beings in general, actually. Like, mm-hmm. we all, to some extent, do things or have done things that we know are not good for us. For sure. Yeah. Um, it's the discipline to, you know, to do better, to right, be better. Right. Yeah. I, kinda, yeah. I, I wonder why that is, you know? I um, think, I wonder if... Did you ever see the movie Wally? Wally, the one with the, the robot show. Yeah. No, I, I know of it, but I, I, okay. I never saw it. So I think part of it too is we haven't got to like. <laughs> strangely enough, we haven't <laughs> got to the rock bottom yet. Right, you know, right. and and there hasn't like I don't think people have seen the the progression and like the damage over time that their lifestyles have been taking on them for like generations right and and there's going to come a point when you're going to be able to see like this trend Mm. you know and i think it's not quite obvious to enough people for them to to care enough to be disciplined does that make sense no that makes sense you know yeah that's a good point i I wonder what I, I, actually, I think that for a lot of people, rock bottom means different things. <laughs> sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, what is your experience with patients coming in and um, them feeling like they're at the rock bottom or vice versa? I've, um, seen, I've seen both okay. people come in who, who recognize their, their need and like the urgency of their need. And then also people who come in and... You know, they're supposed to be on a heart-healthy diet, yeah. and they, they're ordering hamburgers and asking right, for right, extra right. salt. And you're like, oh, do you realize this is, you know, but at the, and there comes a point, it's so funny because depending on your relationship with the patient mm. and um, your rapport and all that and their their receptiveness, because I can go to the same one patient and say, hey, bro, this isn't, this isn't cool. This is not going to help you and explain why. But then another one, I probably won't even say that to because I know that he's going to go right out and eat whatever he wants mm. and he's going to come right back in and be like in and out and in and out of the hospital right? for various reasons. But like they all kind of, 
they all kind of tie together. Mm -hmm. Like health is not as compartmentalized as we think it is. I think so often there's so much interaction with disease processes and and, um, like different you know, your the way that you your posture, the what you eat, how much you drink or not drink, how much water you have, like all of those things you think are just oh, that's just being healthy. But like there's there's so much impact to each one of those things that I think people don't realize how integrated they all are. Mm, that's a really good point. I was actually reading an article uh, a few days ago or a study mm-hmm. that talked about the fact that um we are living longer than at any other point in human history. Mm-hmm. And in a few years, we're actually going to have the capability to be like living to 150 or 200, 200 mm-hmm. years old. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be this crazy idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, it just got me thinking like that's, that's insane. Like the idea of living to <laughs> I 200. Know. I know. Uh, Do you want to be that old? It depends what it comes with. Sure. I think it, for me, it's two things. If I'm going to be 200, the most important thing to me is all the people I love and care about, are they going to be around as well? Sure. Because if they're not, then what's really the point? Mm-hmm. You know, What's really the point of living if every single person that you love and care about right now just disappears? Life is about relationships. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's one. Mm-hmm. Two is would I be able to still function at a high level physically? Mentally, Mentally, yes. In all the required ways. Yeah. Because if you're alive and you're just like sitting in a pod somewhere or yeah. you can barely walk or, yes. you know, then... Okay. The can I ask you a question? Yes, you, yes, you because may. Because this brings <laughs> up an interesting point. Because I... There was a question one time about um, would you rather lose your mind? Like, in age, would you rather mm, still have your mind or your body? In age? Yeah, like as you age, okay. would you rather like maintain keep your mind intact? Maintain keep your mental faculties in, in, in you know, in good working right. condition or keep your body? Like not have osteoporosis and osteoarthritis right, and right. right, right. Well it depends on how developed you are, right? So are you are you insinuating insinuating to the fact that you have the option to uh, keep have a nice body but your mind deteriorates as you get older versus have a young body sorry versus have a strong mind and your body deteriorates like i've you know patients Hmm. who are totally demented or like alzheimer's it's a that's a terrible disease Right. You can't even case, recognize your own body. son. They they have their body. No, they don't have their mind. They don't have their mind. Right, they can't. They, body, they don't right. remember anything. And yeah, and well, yet they may have like I'm not saying like they're smoking, but the, all of their body still works, and they're like not in much right. pain. Well, or I mean, at that point, if you're not, I mean, if you're not there mentally, you're not alive. You can kind of make the case. Interesting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can look amazing and. Uh, as great as you want, but if not there mentally, it's all pointless. Nobody's gonna. It's not like my, you're not gonna build relationships. You're not gonna mm-hmm. have conversations. So at that point, you're just you're dead, in my opinion. Okay, so let me um, ask you a follow up. But real quick, before yeah. you do, so when you asked that question, I had the first thing that came to mind was Stephen Hawking. Yes. You know, obviously he still had his mind. Right. 
um, but his body wasn't on the way there. Correct. But his was more because of disease than anything else. Sure. So I was slightly under the impression you were referring to like natural, the natural aging process. Right, right, right. Yeah. 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 Oh, sorry, go ahead. So that's kind of, no, that kind of ties in because like when, when we talk about um, advanced directives and stuff like that, right? When people are thinking about end of life care, how they want to be treated. You know, if you're brain dead and you're a vegetable and, you know, your body still works, your heart's beating, your lungs are breathing, but there's nobody's home. Or flip that, if you, you know, are totally with it and you can blink and see your wife and you can write, but you can't move your body, you're totally paralyzed. Like, which of those would you rather have? Hmm. Which of those would you rather have? I think. And would you choose to continue with either of those? No, because neither is living. I'm I'm comparing my current life to that. Okay. You know, I work sure. out, I travel, sure. I do whatever I want. But if you could look your wife in the eye, and. So I'm just gonna look at her in the eye, 24/7, 365. That's but you it. can't, and but she's gonna have to turn you and wipe your butt and feed you. That's not living. That's not. That's not worth it. I actually know someone. Um, he was healthy and everything was fine, normal, and uh, he had a seizure. Mm-hmm. And he was older, about I think sixty or seventy. And since that day, he's been in the same exact predicament you just described. Mm-hmm. He he hasn't been himself mentally, mm-hmm. physically, um, in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. You know, but he's in there, obviously. Right. Yeah. So why would you want to continue living that way? And I actually talked to her and uh, this was my friend's dad. I actually spoke to her and she was, you know, she felt very sad. Mm-hmm. She just felt like she felt like he was suffering. Mm-hmm. Right. Which yeah. is which is understandable. So, no, I wouldn't want to be in that situation yeah. at all because it's, it's not living. Yeah. It's not living. That's not the idea of experiencing life mm-hmm. you know? and i think the the pressure that that the responsibility and like yeah to put that on somebody all else that as to well. put on your family too is another thing and not to say that like that's a you know they'll probably gladly accept that burden but right. that is a burden <laughs> that is a burden yeah yeah, yeah. Um, i think i've i've seen that a lot with patients in their and their families with yeah. like the whole dying process okay like and I don't know, I, I, I don't like to think that I'm cynical as a nurse or somebody in the healthcare profession, but I've seen a lot, and, and death is no stranger to me. Mm. And, and also, like, I've seen just about every stage of life as a nurse. Like, been there for births, I've been through, like childhood and early early development like the majority of my patients are when you said that he was old somebody was old and they was 60 yeah. or 70 like that to me is just funny because that's like a 60 year old that's young it's so funny how my perception mm, of age wow. has changed as a nurse because everybody in the hospital is like 60 plus right like right. 80s most of them are in their 80s there's a woman in the in her hundreds the other day speaking wow, of that's amazing people getting older but the 
like I've seen I've seen the whole like process of life and and also the process of death because that's you can see when it starts like you can and I don't know if this is just because of experience as a as a nurse or I don't know but like there comes a point when and I don't want to say like it's time to give up but Sometimes it is. And it's interesting to us as like healthcare professionals, to, to me and my coworker, like we know, you know, the family will be in denial about the acuity of the patient or the stage at which they're at and, and they want to keep doing everything and everything. And it, it's so aggressive and it's so when you can see like, and I'm not saying like, I don't want to put out there that like oh well just give up the goat like that's not at all what i'm saying but there comes a point when you can see it in their body and you can see it in their like their soul that it it's just is ready to go it's done Mm. and and trying to fight that is really is such an interesting i don't know where we started doing that Mm. like before modern medicine right people would get sick and die and they got sick and died. Heart attacks used to be a death sentence, right? Mm. Like, oh my gosh, she died That's of a heart true. attack. And now people have heart attacks and the, and they're out of the hospital the next week. Like, it's no big deal right. to have a heart attack anymore. Which has problems because then people don't take things as seriously. seriously. But like uh, the like there's a there's a there's a point when we can we can see when it's like it's futile to to keep pushing forward and like trying to advance care and and be aggressive with our treatments and stuff and and then it starts to feel really uncomfortable because like as a family member i'm sure you want to do everything you can to like keep your loved one around as long as you can right but as somebody on the outside you can see you can see the dynamics of everybody like the patient right. and the family and like there just comes a point when you're like guys guys just this is it <laughs> yeah and and do you feel like um it's usually the uh person that's um do you usually feel like they're they're hopeless, but they're 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 pushing to to stay alive longer, or is it usually more of the family members? I've seen both for sure. I think more often than not, it's the family. Okay, yeah. I I really wonder why that is because, well, actually, no, I don't wonder because I can <laughs> I can put myself in that position. Yeah, for sure. You know, but I think that for a lot of us, we don't really. Um, we don't see it as selfish at mm-hmm. times when it actually is mm-hmm, it's being sure. selfish because you're doing it for yourself. Yeah, and and not, especially when you're looking at the treatments that you're putting your family member through. Right. Like sometimes those aren't, that's not nice. Right. So it can't be comfortable or, right? And right. if these, and this is the part that just kills my soul. Like if these are your last moments, why are we making them so miserable? Right. Like the whole dying with dignity thing is, is, need so much more exploration because I feel like we could be way better at that. Hmm. Interesting. I wonder how, uh, 
This is a very interesting conversation because <laughs> I, I wonder how they do things in other cultures. I'm sure obviously yeah. other cultures view death and yes, quote unquote dying with dignity in different ways. So I, I wonder how they view it. I was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast a few days ago and he had uh, Forrest Gallant, either, his last name is either Gallant or Gallante. And uh, Forrest is a scientist. I believe, a, I believe, I believe a like a biological scientist or something. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how they were on an island. Uh, it was either Cambodia or Philippines. I can't quite remember where. Um, and they had just arrived, and they saw a man or a boy that just got bitten by a crocodile. Mm. And apparently he was out fishing or doing whatever, and he got bitten, and his bones were just, mm-hmm. his arm was just mm-hmm. wrecked, mm-hmm. and one of his legs was wrecked as well. And he, for some, in some way, shape, or form, he fought his way out, out of the jaws, paddled back to the village, and collapsed. And uh, his mom was just hysterical, mm-hmm. as you can imagine. And uh, they got there in time, and they rushed him to the hospital. I think he said it was like five hours away. It was the closest place that could treat him. Yeah. They treated him, and he was fine. But they went back to the village, and they asked the villagers and the mom, like, so what were you guys going to do? Yeah. And they just said nothing. Like, usually when something like this happens, that's, yeah. that's, that's it. it. Yeah. You know, that's it. And so it was just, it was just interesting to think about. Um, the dichotomy for sure between different societies where you know we live in a world where something like that can happen Mm -hmm. somewhere in the world and that that's it and that happened here of course you you'll be fine oh yeah you know it's interesting too because i think it 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 speaks to our like that's inconvenient like Right. <laughs> it speaks to our mm. our um, like immediate satisfaction. Of course. Immediate satisfaction. You know, like uh, it's broken. Fix it. Right. This. Right. That's. We're not done yet. <laughs> that kid is too young. He's not done yet. Right. And and this is easy to fix. Let's fix this. And and I. It's just. It's really interesting to. Uh, our attitude towards poor health or disease or injury is i think tied to some of our like social pressure of like go 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 mm. you know and that's interesting we you know y- your leg gets chopped out by the crocodile put on a cast and go back to school like right. you mm. know like that's whereas other cultures i think also their their idea of death is different than ours too I, I wonder if it is but i'm pretty sure it is um be, and i think a lot of it is because of our like i said our need to like have things fixed and right. not inconvenient and right. um and there's some of like we like to control we like control, right? And death is one of the things that is out of everyone's control. Mm. And so whatever meaning they can put behind it or whatever um, excuse or 
right? Like they try and make sense of it because it doesn't make sense and it's out of their control and it's right, scary. Right. So if there's anybody to blame or right, all of those things are just means to like patch this explode right. like soon to like critical mass right. soon to explode of like i don't get this this doesn't make sense and i'm losing control right i think I, I like your point i also think that 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 kind of speaks to uh the westernized world's definition of um adversity hmm. because um what you go through or the adversity you go through doesn't really define you who you are so just because you get in a really bad accident, you lose your an arm, your leg, whatever, mm-hmm. doesn't mean you can't go on and do great things. And mm-hmm. I think that's where the Western world comes in, where something like that can happen. I mean, there are a lot of people that have been through horrific accidents. Right. And you look at and, war veterans, right? They come back yeah. and they have like bilateral prosthetics. Like, right, it right. doesn't slow yeah. them down. Yeah. Well, even outside of that, yeah, there are a lot of war vets that have come back, been through hor- horrific accidents. And gone on to do amazing right. things yeah. that people with all their limbs didn't do. Right. So I think I think there is a space for uh, your comment about you know how we the difference or the dichotomy and how we see things, right? Mm-hmm. The need to fix. Mm-hmm. I think there's a benefit to that, you know, because I, I the last thing I want to do is live in a in a society where I get in, a, in an accident and mm-hmm. they just like, well, it's over. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I think too, I I hope to embrace the idea that we are more than our bodies, you know, mm. and and so, and that kind of I mean I guess I kind of fall into that like, we oh I got a broken arm, let's fix it, like because mm. I'm I'm more than that, and that's not that's not a limitation that I'm gonna allow to, you know, have to to limit my life. Right. Right. Do oh, what I want. That makes sense. Um, so, think, what what type of patients do you usually deal with? Because I know you mentioned their age range. Yeah. Earlier. Um, I have dealt with through my career as a nurse. I've dealt with a, like a variety of patients, neuro patients, like a lot of stroke um, patients, um, a lot of respiratory issues, like people on ventilators. Mm. Um, a lot, but the majority of my career I've, um, and I've always kind of had a little bit of a passion for cardiac patients. Mm. So a lot of people with heart failure and heart attacks and heart transplants. Wow. And, um, I mean, I've seen just about everything, but I think the, where I really get fired up is with, with cardiac patients. Yeah. And what do you, what is the biggest contributing cause for that? Is it just age? Is it, are there other oh, yeah. extenuating circumstances? I mean, depending on the diagnosis, um, there's a, there's, a, there could be a lot of like genetics sometimes, especially with heart failure. There's some genetic issues. Um, a lot of times heart failure is due to drugs, drug abuse. Um, like heroin or cocaine or something like the heavy ones. Okay. Um, Let me stop you right there. Yeah. I have a quick question. So uh, with that said, you just mentioned um, genetics. In your opinion, what role does genetics play in our health? Is Because I feel like a lot of people, not a lot, but it's really easy for us to use it as a crutch at times. Sure. Um, so do you feel like you see it 
being used as as a crutch, or have you seen it being used as a crutch in the past? Uh, but yeah, what what role, um, or how heavy of a role do you think it plays in in a lot of the patients that you see? I don't know if it plays a a large uh, role in the patients that I see. I think, I mean, I've I've done it. Like I got bad I got bad knees, right? I'm right. gonna I can't do that because I got bad right. knees, and and. So, but that again is like a limiter that I'm putting on the, the patients that I see, the ones that have genetically stemmed issues, I don't think, I don't think they've been using it, like taking advantage of that for the most part. Mm. Um, I think it does have a role, like uh, maybe for example, like alcoholics, you know, that it's in their genes. And quite honestly, like scientifically, there is a genetic component to alcoholism for sure. Mm. But again, we're more than our bodies. Right. And, and that's where I was going to go with this because it's a lot easier for me to sit here and say, um, I have diabetes or my dad was an alcoholic. So now I'm just going right. to drink right. like an alcoholic because, I, well, I because gonna I'm going to be anyway. Right. Exactly. So that's kind of where I was going <laughs> yeah. with that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I I personally have not seen that quite so much in my patient population. Um, I know it exists. Yeah. I don't think. I think a lot of people use that as an excuse, um, for sure, for poor habits. Right. Right. But I don't think, from what I've experienced, I haven't seen it get to the point of like hospitalization. Does that make sense? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, no, that 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 does make sense. I'll also. Like what you said earlier about the idea that we're more than our bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, so in your life, how do you live that out? And uh, at one point, at what at what point did you start realizing that that you're more than just your body? Mm-hmm. So that's interesting you bring that up because, or you asked that question because I in the last year or nah six months or so, I have really been um, digging into like self-worth and self-love because it's something that I've struggled with forever. Mm. And, And trying to understand where that comes from and why and how to conquer it, you know. I think it's, it's a huge problem in America. I would say America right now, right. especially I with agree. females. I think it's. I, I don't doubt that happens with males, but I think especially with females, it's a huge thing because of our social pressures for, like, about body image. Um, and so in the last six months or so, I've been like I I got a book on body dysmorphia. I've been trying to personally work on like affirmations towards myself and and knowing that I am more than my body and even though I may be dissatisfied with certain things that that doesn't make me less than you know and also to to be like to be a whole person you have to accept all of you, even the parts that you're dissatisfied with. And being a whole person is 
truly the only way we should be because that gives the best like picture of who you actually are and it allows you to fully embrace the the like the breadth of your gifts and share that with the world that like in a way that only you can because you are you nobody right. else has those in your specific ways and when you when i say you i mean me yeah. <laughs> when you dislike something or want to change something or you know you you feel less than about something that's limiting your ability to share yourself with the world as a whole person and like that's what it, that's what is that not what this life is about is right. like being real with people and so i for me it's been a like forever struggle forever struggle and i'm still trying to get to the bottom of where that stems from but um trying to remember that like I am more than my body and and like being okay with who I am right now and knowing that I'm a work in progress and the work that I need to do it's okay because I'm 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 working you know right that's such a beyond amazing explanation I really (laughs) I wasn't I wasn't ready for that great answer that is so cool Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I, that I right really try to like, I feel like it's something that I am super passionate about because I struggle with it. Mm. And I wish it was like, I I want to just like share it with <laughs> the right. other day. I like, I was sharing something um, online about like some of self-love, something, something. And somebody texted me and was like, are you okay? Like, and it was really interesting mm. because people think that if you... Uh, like, you know, if you speak out in that way, that something's wrong. Right. You know, like you went, you're going through something about like loving yourself. And, and I'm like, no, that's how you should be. Like right. you should be Absolutely. so fired up about the person that you are. Absolutely. It's something that actually, uh, I've, it's something, it's, it's, it's how do I word this? <laughs> um, I've gotten a lot of feedback about, my level, my very extremely impeccable level of self-love hmm. in the past, and it's mm-hmm. been mistaken for being cocky, cocky. or like being yeah. overconfident or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I always tell people, no, you you should love yourself. You know, if I meet a woman that loves herself, or if I had a woman in my life that loved herself to the point where um, she appeared cocky or, or <laughs> overly confident i'll be excited because like you said earlier um it's it's uh especially in american society mm-hmm. i can't speak for european society but especially in american society it's the complete opposite you know like a lot of women struggle with that mm-hmm. i'm not saying every woman struggles with struggles with that um and i've been really lucky to, to meet you know level-headed women but for the most part it's it's uh, just the way our society is built mm-hmm. promotes mm-hmm. Um, insecurity. Insecurity for sure. Yeah, especially yeah. for women. Yeah, especially for women, like you said. I wish there was a way that we could like, I I like I want to change that culture. I want to change it because it right. needs to be changed. And how do we change it except by like the only person that I can change is me. Right. And so, 
and yeah, by encouraging well, you, others, you can, like you can change others too. And I'm really <laughs> glad that, you, that we're, you're speaking out about this because a lot of people are going to hear this, especially a lot of women, and they're it's going to resonate with them. I hope so. And it's going to help them realize that not only should they love themselves, but they're not alone. I think that's one yeah. of the biggest aspects as well. Yeah, is the feeling of oh, I'm the only one. I'm the only one. I remember one time I had a, a dear dear friend of mine said something about like. I was I had her body goals right, mm. and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Because I have that girl's like she has my body right, goals. Like right. I'm not satisfied, but you'd be happy with my body. Like, and to know that we're all somebody's body goals, right? right? right. And 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 if we are okay with that, then like, like if they're okay with it, then why aren't we? Mm, absolutely. You know, if she would be happy in my skin, why am I dissatisfied? Right. Right. No, I, I, I agree. Ugh. I think that's good. Man, it gets me yeah. so fired. <laughs> so fired yeah, up. Uh, so based on your journey, what advice can you li- can you give women out there right now listening to this that are saying, wow, everything she said is so right. I've been thinking the same exact thing. <laughs> so what have you learned along the way that you can kind of uh, give to other women? I, I remember you said earlier, affirmations yes people down just the importance say, yes. of affirmations yes um i remember i was working out a few days ago i was just jamming out i was <laughs> so in the mood um adrenaline pumping mm-hmm. muscles pumping uh and then i don't know like the music just got really still for me so i said you know what let me listen to something peaceful and i i kid you not i switched i turned off i turned off the music i was listening to and I listened to affirmations for two hours. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. After the first 10 minutes, I was like, all right, I've had enough. Uh-huh. But uh, what we need to realize is the power of your subconscious. Yes. yes. So, As a man thinketh, so exactly, is he. Exactly. Yes. So for the first, I only listened for the first 10 minutes. But for the next hour and 50 minutes, Just my subconscious was taking mm-hmm. all that information mm-hmm. in. Um, and that literally powered me through the rest of my workout. So... Mm-hmm. I really like what you said earlier about the importance of affirmations. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to add to that? Yeah, I I never really I never really got into them before. Okay. So it's a newer thing for me and it is awkward. Same it way. is awkward. It's awkward. Like I remember when I first started, so like I know part of affirming yourself um, a lot of people talk about when you're doing affirmations you should do them out loud, right? Correct. To me, that makes it feel like a lie. And I know that's kind of the point, Hmm, is that you're telling yourself something to help you believe it. But when I say them out loud, I'm like, that sounds, no, no, that's not true. It feels like more of a It feels like more of like, of a falsehood. Whereas Mm. if I like read them and just like over and over and over and like think about every word about an affirmation... Like, you are enough. Like, enough for me, enough for my boyfriend, enough for my family, enough physically, enough spiritually, right? And go through, like, every part of that affirmation. Like, I have to sit there and just resonate it with me for a second. Right. But as I've been getting more practiced out of them, I've been saying them out loud and, like, it, but it's a it's a challenge. It's 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 difficult for me. I think I think for and it's so funny because I actually touched on 
affirmations in my book that I that I put out, and um, it's called the Royal Agreement for people that are interested. But I talked about the fact that the point of of affirmations is not just to say anything, because mm-hmm. the power in the affirmations is in believing what you're saying exactly. to yourself and what exactly. you're telling yourself. Yeah. So, um, don't say something you don't believe. To me, they're like, because I, I would challenge that. Because for me, that's the point of, like, if I would only say things that I believe, then I'd be telling myself terrible things. And I already have enough negative right. self-talk, okay? <laughs> okay, let me, let me reword that then. So, for example, um, instead of saying, tomorrow I'm going to be the best version of myself. there's a huge likelihood that you're not going to believe that all the way. You can change that to, I'm going to work on right. becoming the best yes. version of myself. The one I did today, the one that like resonated with me today was, I am learning to love myself. There you go. So that, that, yes. then that, that's the point I was trying to make. Yeah. So yeah. it's a really thin line. Yes, very, it is. Very, very thin line, yeah. but it's so huge. Yeah. In believing, yeah. right? Because you can believe that, you're going to work on making a million dollars. Right. But to say I'm going to make a million dollars tomorrow or next week. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the the likelihood of you actually fully believing that 100% is slim to none. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, fine. honing your affirmations I think is yes. is really important. Yes. Absolutely. Um I think in addition to affirmations, um being vocal about your needs your insecurities, especially with like the people who love you. Right. Um, that's one thing that I have found to be both difficult, but also really uh, rewarding um, because you're not, you're not alone in this and the people who love you will love you through it. And they don't know what's going on in your head. Right, they don't right, know right, right. when you're feeling insecure. They don't know when you need affirmation Unless you tell them. Of course. So also being vocal about um, your victories. Like like seeing yourself in the mirror and being like, damn, girl. Right? Like that's huge for me. That's huge to see myself in the mirror and be like, "Mm, yeah, yeah, you look good. Like that's incredible. So to also be vocal about those times when like when you were good, when you were feeling yourself and – and that's like the shameless selfie people make a big deal about, you know, mock that. What's the, the shameless selfie? Like if you take a bunch of selfies and be like, yes, this is me. I'm feeling myself, right? Okay. There is, sure, there can be too much of that. But I think for people who struggle with self-worth, if it's done in the right way, it's not to get attention. It's truly because... You're feeling yourself. You feel good. Right, and to right. like be be okay with celebrating that victory, I think, is important. Right. That's so yeah, that's very true. That is very, very true. I really like that. I really like the direction of this conversation and everything <laughs> you have to say about yeah. uh, affirmations and the importance of loving who you are because I really think a lot of people are suffering from that right now. Mm-hmm. Well, um, if they don't, if you don't love who you are, how can you expect anybody else to? Yeah. I mean, it, it's so true. It's Because you don't an, know who you are. Really? Yeah. It's true. It's so true. I, I uh, 
Yeah, I can't argue with that. It 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 sounds so <sighs> basic, but Cliche, it's such a true yeah. statement. You yeah. really have the inability to love anybody else if you can't fully yeah. love yourself first. Yeah, I found, and part of what spurred me to like really digging into this part of my psyche was it was it, it was interfering with my relationships. My insecurities about myself was causing like upset in my relationships, mm. not because of them, but because of me and my internal dialogue. Mm. And that I was like, okay, something's got to change because this is not cool that it's affecting other people, right, right. you know? And it's, so, it's, yeah, there's no way to shield that from it leaks the out other everywhere. In a relationship. Yeah. 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 And I find it really interesting, especially like, <laughs> I think it's like a lot of things in life where we don't know that it's going, like we don't know other people's story, right? We don't know what's going on, why they snapped at the checker line, like maybe they're going through a divorce. We don't know, yeah, right, right? We right. don't know their story. But I think it's it's very similar. Like people who often come across as very confident and secure often have the biggest issues. Mm. And like... I personally have been told like, oh my gosh, like you seem so confident and secure. like people have said that to me. And I also know that I am very, very insecure. So like I find that really interesting. And I don't know if it's like a, like a protective thing, you know, like I come across confident even though I'm lacking confidence sometimes um, or, or what exactly that is. But I find that, I find that intriguing. Right, right. No, I, I agree with you. Um, so what has, and I like how this ties into traveling, uh, because in your opinion, would you say, uh, traveling has played any role in your self-discovery or, um, empowerment? I'm assuming it has, because I think that traveling is such, 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 such a big part of life. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if you don't travel, you're doing yourself, mm -hmm. your life, a huge disservice. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming you're, um, Traveling escapades have added to how you perceive yourself and your independence mm -hmm. and all that good stuff. Sure. So what are your thoughts on it? I think, especially since we were talking about confidence, I think that has actually helped a lot because in my, in my experience as a traveling nurse that like I'm moving all the time, right? Like every three-ish months, six months maybe. And so that up, uproot of like having to leave people and then having to like engage in a new, a new group of people, you have to be like really okay with who you are. Right. Because, because you gotta, it's like, it's like when you meet your cousin, you skip all the formalities, right? And then you're automatically best friends. Whereas with like friends, you have to go through like that awkward phase or you get to know each other. And right. then we're like, okay, we're good friends. Right. Like with traveling, I feel like you cut all of that, like, beginning section mm. of friendship and you go right to like are we cool right you got my back okay and so but i think that also helps with um with that level of confidence because you have to be you got to be good with who you are who you're presenting um i think through traveling i have found like you get to experience so many different things and so many different cultures and people and and you end up realizing what you need 
and mm. what you want out of life, both like from other people and also from yourself, like wh- how you want to present yourself. And so through that, like those just broad experiences of like opening your mind and your, your like, you know, your mindset, your world vision, right? You, It just makes things a little bit more balanced, I think. Right, right. Because I think a lot of times we can get kind of socked into our own society, our own neighborhood, our own upbringing. And so realizing that there's more to this world and like how you want to be a part of it. Um, yeah. That's very true. Yeah. Um, my experiences with traveling have just been stupendous. I can't even describe, I I don't know where to start in describing it. I love it. There's something so surreal about traveling Mm -hmm. and there's something so special about it that like, I like, I feel like everybody needs to go away. Go away. Yeah. Leave your leave your yeah. house. Leave your friends. <laughs> see a new culture. Get your yeah. stinking passport. Like well, the funny thing too, though, is American culture is not conducive to traveling. You know, we're so brainwashed to think work, work, work. Right. You're rewarded right. when all you do is work, work, work. Mm-hmm. If you take time off, you feel bad. So you mm-hmm. go back to mm-hmm. work, work, work. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's it's an inconvenience. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I was I remember when I used to work and I took some time off. And I was literally off for like two days. And I started feeling bad. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, it's been two days. Am I missing work? Mm-hmm. Like, am I, I'm not, I felt like I wasn't helping out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's crazy how we've been conditioned. And it's completely yeah. not like that in other places on the planet. Yeah. Um, so yes, it's, traveling has to be done. Um, if you have kids, if you don't have the money, Find the money somewhere. Mm-hmm. If you have kids, find a babysitter, find a family <laughs> member. I, I truly, take them with you. Take them with you. Yeah, yeah. I, I truly believe that you're missing a big part of life. Absolutely. Um, without traveling. Yeah. Uh, so. There's something uh, about it that like changes your perspective about what you have. Right. And, right. And right. What to be grateful no, for. No, I agree. And yeah. I agree. Uh, what are your thoughts on? Uh, since you're in the industry, you're, um, what are your thoughts on Western medicine compared to Eastern medicine? What have you seen in the mm-hmm. way we, we administer, administer treatment, drugs, yeah. et cetera? So, I mean, I think they both have their limitations, and I think they both have their place. I think the, ideally there would be a symbiotic relationship between of course, the two. Of course. Um, I, as a nurse in a Western medicine, like Westernly driven field, um, I sometimes miss the, like that balance that Eastern medicine can bring. Um, we start throwing meds on meds on meds on people (laughs) and it's like, wait a second, what is going on in their body? And, you know, the whole idea of like polypharmacy, you know, you get so many drugs together and they like cancel each other out, literally. Of course. And so um, the whole idea of like over medicating people, um, I think, I mean, I remember when the whole AD, ADHD thing and like people were just just throwing mm. around Adderall mm-hmm. because, right? And yeah, like, I remember that. And like that, 
is that the answer, really? Like, did we go back and look at where this is stemming from? And are drugs going to solve that, really? Right, Or I'm not to say that, like, people who have ADHD don't benefit from Adderall, because I know that they do. But also, do those people really have ADHD? Or was there something else going on in their family, in their life, in their whatever, that, like, is causing this behavior to come out? Right, 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 right. And so I think sometimes we as a westernly western medicine practicing people yeah <laughs> we get western medicine practicing <laughs> say that five times like <laughs> we get like rx happy you know and we just start prescribing and prescribing and prescribing people things because it's a quick fix right, right. oh you're stressed here take some xanax oh you're anxious here take some like you can't sleep take stop just right. slow down and and maybe like cut some stuff out of your life or go to bed earlier or right like there's a lot of there's a lot of lifestyle modifications that i think if people made would cut down a lot of um maybe not major health issues but definitely the minor ones like you got migraines or you have indigestion or you got bad skin, right? Like a lot of those things can be just simple lifestyle modifications that right. don't need prescription drugs for. You just need to listen to your body and figure out what's going on and take the time to do that. I think that's what a lot of people don't feel like they have. Mm. And so then they just go to the doctor to get a quick fix. Right, right, you know? right. Yeah, and it's, when you say quick fix, uh, quick fix, quick fix, um, do you feel like sometimes, actually, I already, I feel like I already know the answer to this question that we abuse. Oh yeah. Drugs. Well, and half of it doesn't even fix it. Right. So we think it's a quick fix, but then it's really just like another med you're adding to your pile. Of course. It's not really solving the problem. And a lot of times too, we, we get so used to symptomatic management. You know, you have a problem. We'll manage it, but we don't actually fix the problem. Do you see what I'm saying? No, that makes sense. So that I think is a because, I, and I don't know why. I think a lot of thing, a lot of times, it's it's the perception of lack of time, like I said. But um, I think there's a place for for both. I also, but I also like. That's not to say that Western medicine is terrible and Eastern medicine is phenomenal, like the end all. Because I think there's limitations to Eastern medicine, too, that, like, you you can't solve your high blood pressure with herbs. Like, Mm. some will help, for sure. Right, right. But that's not, like, sometimes you got to have, like, the big kickers. Like, there's, there's, there should be a balance of both. Of course. And I, I think we're missing that. I think we're progressing towards a... Uh, a more more of an integration, which I'm excited about. Um, just like as we are progressing as a people, I think we're realizing like, oh, hey, <laughs> like mm, essential oils can work. No. <laughs> they have their place. They're not, you know, they don't no, cure cancer sense. either, but like <laughs> they have their place. So yeah. I think it's it's a, it should be a, a combination of the two. And you mentioned something about drugs earlier. So, that leads me to like drug addiction. Yeah. Do you see a path to um, us as a society or the medical industry getting rid of drug dependency and, and addiction? I know 
a big part of it is all about regulations and all that mm-hmm. all that jazz but what are what are your th- what's your opinion on the idea of drug addiction and how or if we can even um, get rid of it completely as a society my gut reaction is no no i don't sadly hmm. because i think regardless of what you know we may regulate the crap out of certain drugs we're going to find something. Right, right. We're going to sniff glue. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, we go to great lengths, right, to be addicted to something. Right, right. And the sad part is, like, what that speaks to in our, like, mental health and, like, our psyche, right? Like, that we need that addictive, that addictive behavior, of right? Course, of course. That drive to, like, but I. So I wish we could address that issue instead of just addressing the drugs that we're abusing. Right. But I think regardless of how much regulation you have, I think it's it's innate to us as fallen humans that we are going to find something right. to no, abuse. That's, yeah, that's that's true. If it's not drugs, it's food. If it's not food, it's sex. If it's not sex, it, yeah. right? Like it's something. We're going right, to find right. something to just take a good thing and blow it out of proportion. Right, right. No, that's true. That's true. What do you think is uh, um, I'm gonna ask you one more question here. What do you think is the future of of uh, the medical industry? Like, what capacity do you see us being in? Do you do you feel like we're gonna move into into a society where we pretty much like eradicate um, like diseases and sicknesses? Um, like what, what, what are your thoughts on the direction that we're moving in right now as a, as a culture? Hmm. It's an interesting question. I know it's a fully loaded question. It is, yeah. It's opinion based, which is, uh, <laughs> which makes it easier to answer. Um, I know like even in my lifetime, even in my career as a nurse, we're doing things now that we didn't when I started like we have made we continue to make significant progress towards treatment uh, in regards to treatment in regards to medications um so I and like at like holistically also like we're we're making strides so I I don't feel like we're plateauing anytime soon i don't feel like we're stagnant in any way i feel like we're going to continue to like move forward i and like i said like i feel like we're becoming more progressive in our holistic care like integrating eastern and western medicine together right right and i think that will be helpful for the future um i don't know like you you see futuristic movies and stuff you know yeah. and they have like retinal <laughs> implants and all that. Ah, yeah i sure like yeah. i don't see that too far off i think that's probably already here to be honest oh with yeah you, I've, I've heard of uh of um experiments that talk about retinal implants, retinal implants? yeah 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 that's, um, i mean but i know we can talk forever <laughs> thank you so much for joining us thank you joining me i'd love to have you back on yeah uh, how can the people find you if they want to find you? Is there a way or? Um, I'm on Instagram. Okay. Can you share your Instagram <laughs> with people? Nurse Nanners 22. Nurse Nanners 22. Yeah. All right. Thanks again, Hannah, for joining me. 
And uh, until next time, peace and love. (laughs) 